Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Want to homeschool, but worried about your child's socialization? Classical Conversations believes education is best experienced together. That's why Classical Conversations provides homeschool families with local communities for opportunities for socialization, support, and encouragement. In community, a trained licensed director guides both students and parents alike through a proven Christ-centered curriculum rooted in the classical model. To find a Classical Conversations community near you, visit classicalconversations.com slash dadjourney. And now, back to the show. All right, guys, let's get this thing rolling. So this week, we've got Mark Hancock on with us. And Mark is just a fantastic guy. Uh, got to meet him a while back. And the coolest thing about when I got to meet Mark, besides meeting Mark, was we met at a dinner event and the next morning I woke up and I thought, man, that was about the most fun dinner I've had in, I can't remember how long. And man, these guys were drinking tea and (laughs) water and holy cow, there wasn't a single guy that had a drink. And it was like we were, you know, six beers in or something like that, just having the greatest time ever. I'm like, how cool is that to be able to be around guys and have so much fun with no liquor involved whatsoever. So, Mark, that was an awesome dinner, man. That was so it really, cool. It really was. That's that's when I first met you. And um, oh, man, that was I, I had the same thing the next day. My my cheeks hurt just from laughing so much. That was so much fun. Great group of guys, all in men's ministry, and uh, it was it 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 was a lot of fun. The, the fellowship was amazing. The food was good, but uh, you're right. It was it was it was. Uh, it was the joy of the Lord for sure. Yeah, yeah. Chris Harper with uh, Better Man and Kent Evans with uh, Manhood Journey. So, yeah, no, we had it. We had it going on, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. That was great. My uh, my cheeks weren't hurting so much, but my ribs were a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so that was awesome. So, guys, we have got Mark Hancock on with us. Mark has led a fascinating life. I knew a little bit about him before the dinner, but after. And during the dinner, I found out so much more. It was uh, incredible to hear all the different things. And I I know we missed a million things at dinner, but the things we did cover that you've done are just unbelievable. So just a quick background, uh, Mark worked with the National Advertising Agency, and then he jumped into being a youth and college pastor. Uh, He's got two master's degree, one with mental health as the focus, and he's been on all kinds of national shows and podcasts and focus on the family and you name it. Mark's been on it or around it. He travels around the country and is the CEO of an organization called Trail Life. My simple explanation is Christian Boy Scouts. So I love everything that uh, that your organization, organization is about. 
and helps out so many different boys, but also helps out so many different men, dads, families. So Mark, I'm so excited to have you with us today. Yeah, it's great to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how'd you guys get started? Yeah, well, in 2013, it was clear that the Boy Scouts were going to be abandoning some space that they'd held for over 100 years, giving us presidents and senators and war generals and civic leaders and just raising up these great these great men. Uh, but uh, they began to let loosen the grip on some of the some of the things that we thought were foundations to creating good and godly men. And so, about 300 volunteers across the country got together and through connecting through different forums and things like that. So something needs to be done here. And uh, about 50 of us gathered in Louisville, Kentucky in uh, June of 2013 and uh, spent a day and a half together. Uh, There are four different factions that had come together that were all going to do something and create something different. And they all came together. Everybody kind of laid their their stuff down with open hands said, Hey, we all, we all need to get together. And out of that meeting of 50, there were nine men on the steering committee. And 68 days later, we held an inaugural convention, had 1100 men come from 44 States to Nashville, Tennessee, uh, heard from governor Mike Huckabee, Dr. Michael Ferris at the time he was chancellor at Patrick Henry college and with, uh, HSLDA. Now, now he's with, uh, Alliance defending freedom or still doing some work with Alliance defending freedom. So that was 10 years ago. And then we launched three months later after that inaugural convention with 500 troops in line. Now we've got over 1,000 troops in all 50 states, 50,000 members uh, participating in Trail Life. And, uh, you know, you, you gave, if I've got three seconds with somebody, then I say Christian Boy Scouts. People get it. Um, if I got 30 seconds and I say character leadership adventure organization for boys from kindergarten through 12 years old, or through 12th grade, I'm sorry, kindergarten through 12th grade. Uh, we uh, have what you would expect in boys outdoor program, handbooks and awards and uniforms and hiking and camping and all the outdoor stuff, robust awards program. But uh, two things separate us from Boy Scouts. We're Christ-centered, you know, we're an unapologetically Christian organization and we're boy focused. And this may be a radical statement. I hope it's not on your show. <laughs> but <we've, laughs> we believe that boys and girls are different and that boys need a program that's aimed at their uh, specific strengths. So those two things separate us from Boy Scouts, uh, the unapologetically Christian stance. And also, you know, we believe that boys and girls are different and boys need a program that's aimed at them. So, and we've just seen uh, incredible growth uh, because of that, because families understand uh, the, the, the thing, the values that we're, that we're upholding. And, uh, and they appreciate the focus on character, leadership, and adventure for their sons. So your transition into leadership with Trail Life and as you were there kind of from the beginning, as things changed from what you used to do to what you do now, there was some pain and struggle there. Oh, it was, it was intense. Um, I, I, I'm sure I lost brain cells because of lack of sleep. I'm sure I, 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 I aged a lot. You know, I think I look great for 28, but, um, <laughs> I, you know, it was, it was quite, quite a journey. So we started with seven people in five States. We had never been in the same room and, uh, that, that's, that's, how, that's how we launched the organization. Now we're up to 30 something staff members. We have 127 acre campus in, uh, just South of Greenville, South Carolina. Um, so there's been a lot that's happened in that, in that, in that 10 years. Um, I, I started out, uh, I was on the board of the steering committee that left Louisville and which turned into our board of directors. Then I stepped off the board 
to be the COO on January 1st, 2014, when we launched. And then three months later, uh, the board came to me and asked me uh, if I would if I would serve as a CEO. Kind of pushed back against it. Wasn't interested in doing that. I really felt like my strengths are more in the in the operational area. Um, but after prayer and talking to my wife and and some convincing from them, uh, I stepped in the role of CEO, and I've been thrilled to serve in that that way for for the last ten years. What was your struggle as you went through that time period, and your wife? said, no, I really think you should keep doing this. And it was going to be harder on her. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. You know, well, where, where I'm, what I'm thinking about is that quote, uh, and I forget the quote, I wish I could look it up real quick, but it's something along the lines of uh, evil creeps in and takes over when men are passive. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we definitely weren't passive. Um, I'm not saying you were, however... <laughs> I mean, like the group coming together and everybody's like, all right, we got to do something. Yeah. So that was step one. Hey, recognize something's off. Let's do something. But then at that point, it could have just fizzled out. And as they're like, come on, Mark, why don't you take over CEO? No, I'm an ops guy. Like I'm super comfortable over here. This is going to disrupt my wife and family. Yeah, Yeah, but it wasn't really that. I mean, it was disruptive as was anyway. And the operational role was extremely disruptive because we had nothing. We had no money. We had nothing. And uh, uh, so it was a lot. And certainly there was a price paid, you know, by my wife, we uh, family, you know, we moved out of Florida. We'd been in Florida, we had businesses down there. She was running a crisis pregnancy center. Uh, when we received the property in South Carolina, we were to establish us at our home, home office and national headquarters. So, well, pick up and move, move there, which means we threw two weeks worth of stuff in the car and I never went back. <laughs> my wife went back and, you know, packed up the house and, and all that. Cause I just, we just didn't have time to do anything. And so it was a really difficult time, uh, you know, as far as for, for, for my wife, you know, the challenge of laying down her ministry and, and, and all that and getting the boys resettled. Our boys were, uh, in, in high school at the time, uh, just starting high school. And, uh, but you know, God, God was, God was faithful. And when we got to town, was able to find a path for the boys, a great, uh, my boys were classically raised. So we found a classical uh, Christian uh, university model school. So they've been homeschooled all along, but this was, they'd go two days a week to the classical model. And uh, so a lot of things fell into place, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's not hard to just pick up and, and, and have, have to leave. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was quite a, quite an, quite an adventure. Um, we all signed on, you know, everybody, you know, we sat and we said, this is going to be hard. And everybody said, yeah, we want to do it. And uh, uh, so uh, you know, we've, we've, we've survived, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It was, it's a difficult thing. When you step in, you, here she is, she's running a crisis pregnancy center, which is already spiritual front lines. And then I'm at the head of an organization that's, that's standing against, uh, this cultural tie that's confused about everything from gender to to uh, to uh, not not just gender roles but but gender itself, and uh, so yeah, it was it was it was it was a difficult time. You know, we really had to uh, remember who we were. One of the things that really inspired me, Dan, is is um, my son, my older son, had gotten his Eagle Scout. He we were involved in Boy Scouts. Yeah, they were involved. I was a dad. I just kind of sat in the back of the room. And in December of 2013, um, he got his eagle. And then January, Trail Life 
opened and he transferred over to trail life and he went on to get the highest award in trail life also the, called the freedom award. Um, but he got a, he got a, an email from the boy scout saying, we noticed you got your Eagle, but we noticed that you haven't, uh, re-registered. You know, do you want to tell us why? And he asked me, Jack, can I, can I, can I respond? I said, you know, and so he, he, he slept on it. I said, just pray about it. Don't, you know, you don't want to be rude. I mean, this was a great organization that really served you and helped to develop you along with Christ and your father and your family. And um, so he came back the next day and said, dad, I'd like for you to read my response before I sent it. And I was expecting, he's, he's a philosophy major. I was expecting this big old long tome of stuff, you know, <laughs> And he hands it to me, Dan, it had three words on it. it, said, you weren't brave. And I thought, okay, this is a big deal. Um, here, my son has invested all this time, this energy in this, in this award, which is, which is a, something that could be, be respected, but he's willing to walk away from it because they weren't brave. So I better be brave. You know, I, I, I see how much he, he values that. And so, of course, in trail life, we've had a lot of opportunities to, to be, be brave. A countercultural message that says things like boys, boys and girls are different. Um, we talk about um, not in terms of value, but in terms of, of design, boys and girls are different. And that's not a popular state. You can't say that everywhere today. Um, it's more likely that, you know, I'll be burned in the public square than have them build a statue for me there for the kinds of things that we're standing for in trail life. You know, the importance of, of a godly in, influence in a boy's life. Um, we're male-centric above above uh, fifth, sixth grade. We only have men working with the boys in terms of troop context. Women can serve all in the organization, all the way up to the top the top committee, can be a member, memberships and everything. But for as far as boy contact in the, on the troop level, that's all men. That's that's not applauded in this in this culture, but we know that it's that it's important that you can't raise godly boys without godly men, and uh, so we make statements like that. And we do things like that because we're convicted around those things, and that takes courage. And so I've had to be brave, and I've taken those words from my son uh, to to remind me that this is this is a big deal. If and uh, so so that's been a piece of the journey too. That is he, awesome. He, just, he gets married next Saturday. I get to, get, ah! I get, I get to marry him. And he just, he just texts me as we're, as we're talking with So my, I have a great relationship with my two, two sons that, that survived uh, the battles of starting trail life. Um, great boys, great young men um, to some degree, better men than I am. And, uh, uh, but it's, it's, it's been a, it's been quite a journey. That's awesome. That's awesome. So in some of that, you talked about classical Christian training. So classical conversations you were telling me before we started was the homeschooling program that you chose, which is so cool because they happen to be a sponsor of the podcast. So yeah. great program. Both my boys are full ride uh, academic scholarships. So it works. Dads, you know, <laughs> this homeschooling thing works. <laughs> so uh, in classical conversation was a big, big part of their lives. They, they loved, loved that program. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, it's neat hearing guests just mention that without me prompting it. And like, oh man, what a great program and so many different. And some of my past guests that I didn't know their homeschool program and all that. And they're like, oh no, actually we use that too. <laughs> yep. And community is such a big part of that. And obviously trail life community is such a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's big for boys. You know, boys are always asking the question, who's in charge, who's with me, and what is our mission? 
And <laughs> so when you can find, uh, that's why the military is successful. Um, uh, so when you can find an organization, we, we use this in raising our boys, when they found something they're interested in, if the culture was right, and it was the kind of people that shared our values, we were all in as a family. So things like classical conversations, things like um, Teen Pact. I don't know if you're familiar with Teen Pact. Um, no, I don't know them. Government, uh, it's youth leadership. I'm not going to say it right. The CEO is a good friend of mine. Um, the <laughs> National, they, they basically take over state capitals and do government kind of stuff, but a, a specifically Christian organization. They got interested in that. And, and you know, I tell dads all the time, in fact, I'll be doing a workshop out here in California this morning, and I'll be talking about this, about, you know, so, so sometimes we want to take our sons and put them in programs because they're good at it um, and, uh, you know, a sport or whatever. And, and that's good because we want to say that's going to help his self-esteem because he's going to feel like he's good at it. But higher than that is, is the values of that organization, because what you have to remember is this is what boys are looking at. Who's in charge? Who's with me? And what is our mission? And they become that. They adopt, and when you talk about community, they become that community. That's that's who they that's that's who they identify with. So you have to look at the culture of that community, no matter how good the football team or the baseball team or the soccer team or whatever. And if he's a great athlete, wants to be a part of that, you've got to look at not the status of the club, but you got to look at the culture of that organization, because that's that's a higher uh, responsibility of yours as, as a dad to get him surrounded by the right people, because that's who your son will become. So you can say, okay, I want him to be a soccer. He's a great soccer player. I want him to be a great soccer player. So I'm going to put him on the best team. But if that coach isn't somebody that you want your son to be like, that's what's going to happen. You know, uh, he, he's going to become like that. So, so the culture of that organization, the culture of that community is more important because boys are always asking the question, who's in charge? Who's with me? I'm going to become part of that culture. We establish those things in Trail of USA. We have a hierarchical structure. We have patrols. We have patrol leaders, they elect leaders, they, have, they, 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 uh, so they know who's in charge. Boys get that. Who's with me? That's why we use uniforms. People say, why, why do you wear uniforms? And well, we do because it helps boys identify with something uh, bigger than they are, and boys have a desire to do that. And they will embrace the values of that thing that they're identifying with, so it's important to us. And then on the patrol level, on a smaller level, six or eight boys, they have their own name for their patrol. They have their own leadership. So they're identifying with that. Boys are always looking for who's with me. They want to be able, able to identify that. And then what's our mission? Boys need to know. They need to have a mission. I was at this homeschool convention last night walking around, and and, uh, and a, a dad was standing there, and they're watching something going on. And this, the little guy, probably six, seven years old, what are we doing? You know, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do something. You know, and I said, he's looking for a mission, dad. He's looking for a mission. So, uh, you know, and I just explain real quickly, he needs to know who's in charge. <laughs> You're in charge, dad. You know, who's with me? Our family's doing this homeschool thing. What is our mission? We're going to visit three more booths here at the convention center. And then I'm going to get you a piece of pizza. You know, so, and that, that, that would settle that boy. Now he's got, okay, I know our mission. I'm good with that. I know who's in charge. I know who's with me. I know what our mission is. And the community can do that for us because the communities will, 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 will determine that. And other folks, folks who are really good at besides the military is gangs and that's why why gangs are i mean they're they're uh, they're growing faster than our youth groups dan you know because they know they set for those boys those young men who's in charge who's with me what is our mission all those things are clear in gangs and that's why they're attracting boys just by the tens of thousands those boys will die for that gang they'll go to jail for that gang because they clearly answer those three things so powerful thing community that can answer those questions for boys yeah 
as you're talking, I'm thinking I've got two daughters and we do softball and other things. And I'm like, yep, I hear those questions a lot. Yeah. I hear those questions a lot. Who's running this practice? Who's running this game? <laughs> Who's the coach on that team? Like, yeah. is the umpire, you know, what's going on? Uh, and then whenever we're looking at activities to do, often I hear, well, who's going to do it with me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who are the other girls? Tell me about the group. Who's going to be there? Yeah. You want to sign up for volleyball? Who's going to be on my team? Which one are we signing? Like, I want to know who yeah. I'm who I'm doing this with. Thank uh, you. There was another, there was a play in a game where we were playing against a team and we were clearly the better team. There wasn't going to be a de- decision-making play to win or lose this game. We We were going to win no matter what. And I think I didn't send her home like to steal home. I like kept all the girls at third and didn't take advantage of overthrows or anything. And my daughter looks at me, she goes, dad, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, what's your, what's your question? And she says, aren't we trying to win this game? Yeah. I yeah. said that, yes, we are absolutely trying to win this game. Yeah. And we, we've won this one already. We're going to finish playing. However, we're not trying to step on our opponent. Like, <laughs> The other girls are really good people and the coaches are good people and they're not trying to be crazy. And we're going to, we're going to be kind on this one and we're not going to mercy rule them and and run them out of the game or make them, we're not going to do things that make them look bad. We're still going to be competitive. We're still going to play, but we're not going to run over them. Yeah. She and goes, then, she, then she was okay, I imagine. She yeah, was, yeah. She goes, okay, got it, got it. So I should <laughs> I should back off a little bit. I should take it easy a little bit. I'm like, yeah, a little bit. We're not we're not going 110 <laughs> right now. We're going 95. <laughs> we're gonna, you know, be a little bit more helpful to the other team than normal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She's like, okay, got it, got it. Like, because their catcher's no good and she keeps letting the ball go by. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's that that's true in sports, and that and that's why boys are boys are drawn to sports because risk and competition is rewarded. Um, and uh, so, I, I talk a lot about boys because, of course, you know, we're male focused organizations. So most of the time, I'm going to be making those references. But those those are places that boys it has to make sense to them. You know, it, it, why are we doing this thing? You know, we've gone through the period of uh, participation trophies and not keeping score, and it's like. You're kidding me. I'm, I just put my boys in a Y in a Y league, and uh, and they, the the coach says, "By the way, we're not keeping score." And I'm like, "This is not going to go well." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Walking the boys out to the car. Did we win? I said, "No, we weren't keeping score." But yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and it was eight to two. <laughs> yeah, and every dad in that gym knew who won, including the coaches. But we weren't keeping score. So you know. Boys, boys need that. They they run on risk and competition, and uh, one of the reasons that we're seeing this failure launching in our culture today is, uh, you know, we've remo- removed risk and competition uh, generation participation trophies. And Dan, I talk about this, and I hope that it's okay. That I'm, I'm not waiting for you to ask questions. No, 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 go, man. I I, I <laughs> almost said, hey, Mark. By the way, I'll just let you talk for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get a cup of coffee or something. Just come on, but um, but you know, I'm really concerned about where we are in our culture today, particularly in regards to boys, you know, they're not twice as likely to be in special education, three times more likely to have ADHD. They've fallen behind girls in every single academic category. Uh, there's now more girls going to college than boys getting master's degrees, doctoral degrees, bachelor's degrees. Um, one category they are leading in tragic is, is boys 10 to 14 years old, suicide rate, it's the fastest growing suicide rate. And- I saw that statistic as I was reading up and 
Yeah. Say that one one more time because guys may have missed that one. Yeah, 10 to 14 years of age, uh, boys are leading in, in the increase uh, of, of the su- suicides. And it's really because um, it's, you know, if there was any other portion of our, of our culture that was seeing these kind of drastic numbers and uh, we'd really be paying attention, but we seem to be doubling down on toxic masculinity and there's something wrong with boys. And, and you know, boys, you know who the number one group of suicide is? It's gotta be men. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, like, I think four out of five, I think, I think it's huge. And what, and what age range? I don't know. Yeah. It's in that, in that midlife crisis age yeah. range, that 32 to 40, 32 to 42, 38 to 42 in that range, guys kill themselves. And typically they're white guys. Yeah. yeah. So most of the audience are in that 30 to 45 range and they're white and guys at you. Yeah. So if you're listening right now and you're thinking, huh, I'm in a bad spot, mm. go talk to somebody. Go yeah. let somebody know where you're at. And at the same time, you're thinking, oh, no, my son's nine. I don't need to mm-hmm. get involved in his life. I don't need trail life to help build bonds. I don't need whatever it is that you don't need or don't think you need. Like mm-hmm. Mark just said, 10 to 14 is the fastest growing category of suicides. So yes, <laughs> at whatever age your kids are, build that strong bond so that when the tough times come and the tough times always come. Yeah. You gotta you gotta be connected with them so that you're there, um, you know, so things don't get out of control or uh, all the way the other direction. So yeah. uh, I saw that and I'm like, that one's huge. It is huge, and and purpose is purpose is huge. You know, purpose preserves life, and and so when we that's when we're because we're taking away from boys their purpose. It's like we treat them like there's some kind of defective girl or something. You know, why can't you sit still like Susie or why can't you? Um, you know, they're developmentally, you know, biologically, psychologically, developmentally, in every, every area, they're different than girls. They develop more slowly. Uh, so we, we put them in a classroom situation that's really designed for girls, sit still, be quiet, pay attention. And they know they don't fit there because they just can't follow the rule. Why can't you sit still like Susie? You know, it just, uh, uh, and they, they hear that over and over again in subtle and sometimes blatant ways. It's like boys are uh, some kind of social disease that needs to be eradicated or something. You know, we we talk about them as being the canaries in the coal mine of our culture, and they they've stopped singing. You know, because they are feeling the effects of a culture that's really confused about who it is. And boys can't. We can. St- you and I can process it. We can metabolize all this change because we've got some sort of a foundation and a recollection and an experience of living in a world where men made sense. And, uh, but these boys are being raised in a place where it's like, uh, you know, in the sixties, it was, uh, you know, women saying we don't need a man. And then eighties, it was, I don't want a man. And now it's, I don't even know what a man is, you know? So yeah, one out of four boys now in a household without a father, 76% of public school teachers are female, 80 something percent of Sunday school teachers are females. So girls are surrounded by these wonderful role models. A single mom is is doing a great job to, you know, hold that thing together. That's real leadership. And, but that boy in that household, he doesn't see a model uh, of, 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 of a man. What, what am I going to look like as a leader? And then he goes to school and the woman's standing at the front of the room. You know, what am I going to look like as a leader? And then he goes to Sunday school and there's another lady there. You know, what am I going to look at as a leader? And, and boys don't, they don't have uh, those examples of male mentorship. And that's why we think it's critical organizations like Trail of USA that are providing dads, and what I call dad likes, 
or men who will stand in the place of a dad. And so talking to, talking to the men in your program, you know, about purpose, um, here's your purpose. You know, there's a generation of boys who are just being lost and ignored and, and desperate, desperate condition, desperate need of, of men to show them what it means to be a man. Whether you have a son or not, find a trail life troop and get involved and say, where are the boys who don't have a dad? I want to make sure that I'm, I'm there for that boy. And I met a man in Texas, uh, so I had a gathering of trail life and about 200 people there. And he, he poured out a boy, he says, see that boy, he doesn't have a dad. He said, that's, that's really sad. He says, yeah, but I have a connection with that man over there. And he makes sure that he has a ride, that he understands, uh, he, he has what he needs for camping this week. All the things that I did as a dad, he says, I make sure that this guy does for that point. So that's great to see that boy over there. And I said, yeah, he says, well, he doesn't have a dad either. So I've connected him with him and that boy I've connected with him. And he just went on and on. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and he's like, when I was nine years old, my father passed away. Ah. My mom put me in a, in a program, surrounded me with Christian men. And when I was nine years old, I told myself, uh, when I grew up, I was going to do that for every boy I could. And, and here, here he was, here he was fulfilling that promise he made to himself and making a difference, Dan, in those boys' lives. A boy out here in California, just, a, just a short while ago, he received our highest award, the freedom award and had a single mom. And he stood in front of those men when he received that award. Very, there's only maybe 400 boys in the whole country who have this award. And so he stands in front of this room full of his, his troop leaders and says, I need to thank the men in this room. You taught me how to shave. And you taught me how to love Jesus. Mm. And I thought, nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> and can you imagine his mom sitting there in the audience saying, yeah, you know, thank God these men came in and kind of filled, filled that role for my, for my son. So, man, there's a place for you in trail life, whether you have a son or not, to be there and make a difference in a boy's life. If you do have a son, it's a great place to connect with them. And, uh, or if you if you got single moms, you know, in your church or that you're wherever you have sons, um, find them a program where, where there's men who can, who can help mentor them. So I was reading your book or booklet, I'll call it uh, raising godly boys. And there was a story in there. I'm like, man, with men being confused about men or society, confusing men who men are and what, what mm-hmm. we're here for. And then that transfers down to kids and boys having females all around in schools and different places. And there was a kid that uh, showed up to the lunch table and he was newer at the school and he had a lisp. Mm -hmm. So of course he's going to be picked on. We all got picked on for something as kids. Mm So in, in your booklet, it, he gets picked on a kid says, Hey, and starts using his lisp with the words he's using. Mm -hmm. Then a kid, you know, he says, where am I supposed to sit? And a kid says, Hey, why don't you sit next to me? Like, you know, I'd love to have you sit next to me. Mm-hmm. And then the the bully kid goes, give me that sandwich and snatches the sandwich off his plate. And I'm like, I remember when I was a kid and somebody snatched my food off my plate and I, I said, put that back. Mm-hmm. And then he took something else off my plate and I stood up and I punched him square in the nose. He was the defensive tackle for the football team. Oh my goodness. I was the point guard for the basketball team. <laughs> there was a mismatch. Wow. And another kid next to him goes, what are you going to do about that? And the kid just sat there dumbfounded with tears coming out of his eyes. And wow. the other kid goes, uh, you're just going to take that, aren't you? That's probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, how would that play out in today's world? Like, yeah. And in, and in your booklet, 
a teacher comes up at the time uh, and the, you know the the boy that stands up he says hey give that give that boy a sandwich back and he starts to i can feel that emotion of yeah i'm, I'm going to save this kid cuz he's yeah. hungry and yeah. you know that wasn't right i'm going to i'm going to take an injustice and and fix it and a teacher comes up and says hey grab your plate and get out of here go sit over by yourself this behavior isn't tolerated mm-hmm. like wait what i'm yeah. in trouble yeah i was the hero i was doing the right thing whoever in my life was you know had told me that this is what i'm supposed to do in a situation like this and i was doing it mm-hmm. and i'm wrong huh yeah huh now what am i supposed to do sit still stay quiet pay attention <laughs> yeah yeah no he wasn't he, yeah yeah, and that's that's not an unusual story, and you know we we would see that played out. We say, okay, you know, I I get that. You know, that the the teacher felt like he was out of line. He was making standing up and making a scene. Uh, he was just standing up and being a hero in his own, own heart. But uh, um, boys have that sort of subtle uh, thing. You know, I was at uh, Kennedy Space Center not too long ago. Walked in this room. They were showing this huge video. I mean, the whole wall was this video and it's a female astronaut. She was talking to a group of school children. You can see the backs of their heads and she's talking to the camera and she's saying, you know, you can do anything, work hard, you work hard in school. And she's really inspirational. I'm thinking, I wish my sons were here. This is great. And the camera pans around and shows the school children, Dan, all girls. And I thought, you know, dang, you know, I'm so glad my boys weren't here because that would have been, I mean, we celebrate that. We're, that's such that's a wonderful girls need to know that you know what boys need to know that too why did you do that you know i you had every race represented there it wasn't like oh it just happened to be a bunch of girls no it was very intentional and i was and at that moment i was so glad my sons weren't there hearing again this message is not for you and so we cheer those kind of messages because girls need to be encouraged everyone needs to be encouraged but it's like, <clears throat> boys don't hear that message. When's the last time you heard somebody say, boys, you're strong, you're courageous, you can do anything, go for it, you know, work, you work, you know, because we're afraid that we're going to turn them into some kind of toxic masculine monster or something. And there are bad men, uh, but they're not all bad. And we've painted every boy as if he's, he's some sort of a toxic, uh, toxic mess. And it's, and you can see it's, it's starting to, it's starting to show, show in these, in these uh, tragic, tragic statistics. So the idea of a hero um, of, of man standing in that place is really absent from our society. And we had a generation, the greatest generation that stormed the beaches of Normandy and to free the world of tyranny. And then they came back and they went to a different battle, but the bullets now were high blood pressure and stress and they went to work. And they were doing it for their families and, the, and the, that, that sense of sacrifice and courage and you just do the right thing. That's missing from our culture today. And um, <clears throat> so boys are asking the question, I, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing. <clears throat> so those, the greatest generation that showed us this is what great looks like. You know, this self-sacrifice, courage, the bravery, you're doing things for the betterment of everybody. Uh, and uh, that's not that's not a that's not a message that uh, boys are being given today. They're being given sit still, be quiet, pay attention, and uh, don't you know don't 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 make any trouble. And um uh and but but the girl the girls are getting you know great encouragement. And this idea of not keeping score in games and things is something, but we really keep score at school. I mean, 
you know, it's like <laughs> 3.98, I'm 3.9, I'm 4.1. You know, we keep score really strictly in certain situations, and that's where girls are excelling. So we keep score in places where girls are winning, but we do, well, it's like we're afraid we're going to hurt somebody's feelings if we keep score in uh, uh, in other places where someone's emotional development may be affected. I'm here in California. And they have outlawed tag in public schools because it affects the emotional development of children. And I thought, my gosh, are you kidding me? Um, (laughs) It's I want to know if I'm as fast as that kid. I want to, you know, I need to measure myself against something. And I want that to be celebrated. Why? Why? Wow. I'm faster than other people. That's a good thing. Now he's smarter than, and and he's a better uh, trumpet player and he's a good you know, he's good at chess and he's so, so it's okay that I'm fast to tag because everybody's kind of got their thing, but uh, we're afraid of, of uh, undercutting their emotional development when, and so that's why this failure to launch with boys, you know, they, uh, I'm really fear that we're raising a generation of unproductive narcissists. They're, they're unproductive because we haven't asked anything of them and they're narcissists because we haven't let them fail. And, you know, boys, boys are, are driven towards risk and adventure. They want the opportunity to succeed and fail. They want to win. They want to know where they stand. Again, hierarchy. And, you know, who does a good job of that is those video game designers. They, they, they've created a world where score is kept, where you can win, where you can lose. You can be better than somebody else. You can fail and work harder at it and succeed and get another chance at it. That's real world stuff that they don't have in the real world. So they're drawn to this virtual world that answers all these questions for boys. And then we criticize them for playing so many video games. It's like they can't win for anything. So I, I know what I've said so far is that that gangs and video game designers, <laughs> the, <laughs> but they're successful. They know something about boys. We need to learn from them. What is it that they're doing? That's, that's, take that they own the hearts of boys because they understand these things and we're afraid of 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 putting boys in these these situations because someone's feelings are going to get hurt and it's just it's just really sad it's really boys are really paying a price so from a uh outdoor perspective or a challenge perspective or a purpose perspective trail life or outside of trail life what are some things that dads can do or what are some situations dads can get involved with and then as a follow-up what are some character traits that we can build through through these things yeah well you know boys learn empathy by losing and uh, that that's just something that we're we're afraid to let our sons lose we're afraid it's going to hurt their feelings we we don't want them to experience difficult feelings and i get that that's that's love you know I, i none of us wants our kids to go through difficult things but life is a great teacher. Experience is a great teacher. And uh, I'm not saying we've got to be so tough and cold and uncaring and, and put boys through all, through all sorts of miserable things. Say, no, let's just not shield them from, uh, from the opportunity to learn from, from losing. And that's, that's where character is developed. Um, you know, when, when a boy loses, he understands what it means to lose. And so when you talk to him about things like, gosh, you hurt his feelings, if you if that boy's if your son has never had his feelings hurt, he doesn't understand what that means. And we're already somewhat defective because you know our left brain and right brain are not connected. And you know, women they still have that connection between the left brain and right brain. There's all these connections that go back and forth. 
we lose that in the womb when testosterone is released and our left and right brains are there's much greater separation than are with girls. That's one of the developmental differences we can't ignore. So it's difficult for us to connect experiences emotionally. Um, we, you can't just say, how do you think that made him feel to a boy? Cause he's like feelings. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Uh, tell me about a feeling. I don't know. And so when you give a boy an experience of losing, then you help him to identify what that feeling is. So uh, you know what you're feeling right now? Yeah. I'm feeling kind of bad. You're probably sad. You're probably disappointed. You're probably feeling a little bit down about yourself. And so we help give the boy the language for those emotions um, so that they know, oh, that's what sad is. I can connect now sad to a word. I get that. So when I hear that somebody else is sad, I get that. I know, I, I know what sad is. And so that's powerful with boys, give them the opportunity to experience these emotions rather than shield them from them and then to help them identify them. Not too long ago, well, actually it was a long time ago. I apologized to my son not too long ago for a mistake I made when he was about five. He had his first BB gun, stood on the front porch and we lived in the country. So I said, shoot at that tree. He had big leaves, it was a poplar tree. Shoot at one of the leaves of the tree. He shoots at Dan and a bird falls out of the tree. Oh. And yeah. So me being the dad that oh, I want to shield him from this. I mean, he didn't see the bird. This was, it wasn't intentional. It was a complete accident, but I didn't want him to be sad. So I immediately, Oh, let's go inside. I took him inside. And I so regret doing that, Dan. And what I wish I had done is I wish I had walked him out there and that the two of us sat on the ground with that bird and just talked about how sad that was that that happened. You didn't mean to do that. Sometimes accidents happen. Sad things are going to happen in your life. And I wonder what that bird liked. I wonder what, what he you know, would like to do. And I, I wish that I'd sat there with him and let him sit in that emotion, totally soak it up because his entire life, he's going to have sad times of loss, some that he creates and some that he, is just by accident. And then I wish we had invited Jesus over. I said, Jesus, can, will you sit here with us, Jesus, and just let him talk to us? I mean, what do you think Jesus would say, let's just listen to Jesus for a little bit. And perhaps one of us would have said, I think Jesus said that he loved that bird too. You know, that he knows every time a sparrow falls, he, and he's aware of that, and that, that he's sad too. He sat along with us. Um, and, and that, that in that he would just comfort us as being there. And that I would have been able to say to my son. So anytime in your life, whenever you're sad, don't go pick up a video game. Don't go get a beer. Don't go put on a song. Don't go do something else. Recognize that feeling, sit in it, and ask Jesus to sit with you there. And that, so I had to apologize to my son. He's now 21, and I apologized to him maybe a year or so ago. I said, I'm so sorry, Miss Handle. I so wish that I had taught you to that that feeling, that it's okay to sit in that feeling. We have to lead boys through those, those kinds of things. We have to allow them to, to, uh, to have failure, to have the, the experience of failure, to try it something, and then get another chance and try it again. That's why this failure to launch, we have more young men living at home than since we started counting that in 1960s in the census, because this failure to launch, they go to work, they don't do well, nobody gives them a participation check on Friday. I mean, you got to work. <laughs> you know? So and so then, then they get fired and they, and they rush home because they don't know where to go. They go down to the basement to a place that makes sense and they play video games. So we, we're, we're, we're failing our boys when we're not ex- giving them the chance uh, to pursue what they're wired for, which is risk and competition. We, we're not allowing them to experience feelings because we're afraid that we're going to hurt them. 
and uh, and we're really causing this this uh, uh, this great connection with their emotional emotional lives, and uh, so that's that's the advice I, I, I would offer. There's a there's a, a lot to unpack in there, but that's all I got right now. Yeah, what I keyed in was on the the emotion part of it. I talked to a lot of guys, and a lot of guys have trouble processing emotion and say, what do you, you know, what are you feeling? Even as a 40, 50, 60, 70 year old adult, ah, you know, we yeah. got sad, mad, glad, angry. Yeah. 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 That's about it. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately just about all those paths lead to anger. Cause that's the one that society uh, recognizes in men. And uh, so, so angry is okay, but sadness is weakness. Um, in our in our culture, and so yeah, yeah, we really we really struggle with that. I was involved in a counseling group when I was younger, and the guy leading the group, I'm super even keel. Probably everybody can hear that, and he's like, "Hey, you know, tell me about your emotions and what were you feeling and thinking and all the stuff," and went on and on and on forever. And finally, he goes, "You don't have feelings." <laughs> I'm like, "I don't know. I mean, I don't get high and low. Like I'm." pretty even keel. And I'm like, where's he going with this? And then he goes, points his finger at me. goes, you're a sociopath. Oh my gosh. I said, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> so I had to go and look it up and figure it out. And I'm like, no, I'm not a sociopath. I have feelings. I also don't know how to articulate them or, you know, <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And then somebody came, somebody years later told me about like an emotion wheel. So you can kind of look around and Oh, what's that one mean? And, you know, yeah. learn a little bit and have a little bit more language to it and understand yeah. emotion a little bit. Cause as a, as a boy growing yeah. up, you, yeah. you hit on it. Like sometimes the experiences that we need and the people around us that we need to help us understand emotion and what to do with them aren't there. Yeah. Yeah. No, if I had somebody who, who had shown me emotion wheel when I was eight, 10 years old and helped me understand the stuff that I was going through experiencing, it would have helped me a lot. I'm trying to figure that stuff out now. It's Maybe you could have been in that group with me and that guy could have pointed at you too and called you a sociopath. Right. <laughs> so a professional gave me a professional diagnosis of sociopath. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. <laughs> so that one, that one, I like that one. That one is a huge, huge. I didn't think we'd talk about that. I thought we'd get into like the outdoors. Well, you know, a lot of people say that they say, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I shouldn't admit this, but I'm not an outdoor guy. And, um, but I am interested in the next generation. I was a youth pastor for years. And honestly, Dan, if there was a better way of turning boys into godly men than the outdoors, I would be doing that. But this, there's a dynamic in that setting and a male centric outdoor setting that unlocks uh, something in the boy and the man uh, that creates this atmosphere that is like no other. And, uh, so that's why, that's why we're there. That's why, that's why I'm doing this. I wasn't a boy scout. I wasn't in boy scouts, but I, I remember my family bought a camper and we went camping one weekend. And on the way home, my dad traded in, in for a boat. We're done. You know, <laughs> <We're just> not, <laughs> not raised as a camping family. Um, my wife and I did camping before we had boys. And then I got involved you know, because it was, I was a homeschool dad and my, my sons were in Boy Scouts. I, you know, I, I went to all the meetings, even though I wasn't a member of Boy Scouts. I went because homeschool dads don't drop their kids at anything. So, <laughs> so, so then I, yeah, I, got, I got kind kind of, you know, I, that's where I, I gained some experience there. 
Um, but it, w- it would, it was not something that I would have chosen, but there is some magic there, Dan, that goes on, uh, that I haven't found anywhere else after years of being a youth pastor and in, in the introduction to mental health counselor, marriage and family therapist, having some understanding of developmental stuff. Um, but after 10 years watching, uh, men and boys, uh, be impacted by, uh, character leadership adventure program that takes place in the outdoors. I can't, I can't deny uh, it, the success of that being in God's creation in a male-centric environment, the, the effect on boys is huge. And you take that into like a corporate environment. What do corporations do a lot of times when they want a team built? Yeah. They go outside. Outside, yeah. They do some adventures. They do some challenges. They do some ropes courses, whatever it is. But let's, let's involve a little bit of risk, a little bit of danger so yep. that we can team build. <laughs> it opens us up. <laughs> Now let's get back inside the office and get in our cubes. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember in the eighties they, they they would do this um, accountability groups or pairings were a big deal for men. Like you know, go find someone you're accountable for. Go have coffee with the guy. We sit across from the table for the guy having coffee and be like, you know, seriously, I got to open up my heart to you. You know, it's and you see the women in the restaurant; they're just chatting. They're all talking at the same time. You know, and the men are just kind of like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Bears. You know, we we don't know how to do that. But in the outdoors or turning a wrench or hiking along trail or sitting around a fire, um, not this intimidating face-to-face kind of thing, um, is powerful for men. And we see them open, you know, the boys bed down and the dads are left around the fire and they're talking, you know, hey, I saw the way that uh, you treated your son. Where'd you, where'd you, where'd, how'd you grow that relationship with your son like that? Or I'm struggling with something at work. How do you guys handle this? That's where you have those kind of conversations, uh, you know, walking along a trail or sitting around a fire. So it's a powerful, powerful place. So yeah, we can talk about the outdoors, but it's, it's I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you how to tie knots or start fires. There are guys who are really good at that stuff, but I can tell you the impact on the soul of a man and a boy in the outdoors just has a secret sauce there. That's awesome. So it's funny that you mentioned you're not an outdoor guy because I I didn't know that. That's a revelation to me. But I was going to ask a question about what about the what about the guy that's in the cubes? What about the guy that isn't the outdoor guy? What about that guy? And you basically answered it yourself. Like, well, I, I was that guy. I still yeah. am that guy. Yeah, I still am to some extent. Yep. I'm going on a week long uh, paddle adventure in a couple weeks in uh, in Pennsylvania. There's a couple of troops going on it, and this guy's he does a great job with it. And I've been hearing about it, and and he told me I got an extra seat. And I said one year I want to go. I'm going this year. I'm scared to death. I mean, I, you know, I'm, it's like, uh, you know, I'm going to be with all these uh, trailmen, you know, who are, who are probably more, and there's going to be an expectation. It's just like the one you had that I'm going to come and I'm going to, you know, show them how to make fire with ducks or something. I don't know, but I, the, yeah, the, you're going to be bare grills. Yeah. I'm going to be bare grills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to be barely there is what I mean. But, um, so, so I'm looking forward to that because there's a camaraderie and there's some wonderful stuff, but it doesn't take those skills to be in trail life. There, there are guys there that, that do that part. So you can show up at a troop and say, hey, listen, I'm interested in the next generation. I believe God is speaking in my heart about making a difference in the life of boys. Um, can you use me? And they'll be like, yeah. And the other stuff, as far as how to set up your tent, your sleeping bag or cook something, uh, it, that's 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 the small stuff and 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 there's people there who, who 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 can walk you through that and you'll you'll learn those skills and you know i i i i'm being facetious i i've, I've got i've been outdoors enough where you know i'll do fine on this thing but there is 
that sense of, like you said, your expectation was that I know the stuff and I know I'm, I'm not going to live up to their expectations. And that's probably what I'm dealing with. I'm going <laughs> to disappoint these people because I'm not Bear girls. Um, that's probably what I'm dealing with, honestly. But um, uh, yeah, it's got guys, they don't have to have any experience at all in the outdoors to be, to be effective or, or helpful. But those boys are so hungry for somebody to pay attention to them. And, and uh, we talk about it all the time. You know, in the world today, you know, you, the people, you know, this, this face-to-face thing uh, with a boy or being together with a boy or helping him to understand the difficult things that he's going through is just huge. And you are in a generation that, you know, being largely raised by Google and, um, uh, but you can't replace the presence of a man and a boy in the outdoors, sharing that experience, helping through difficult times. That's where boys' hearts open up. And um, they're, they're really hungry for somebody to pay attention. That can't be done with a phone in front of your face or, or in front of the TV or anything. So uh, we get things outdoors, slow, slow the pace down some um, and uh, change, change the scenery. And uh, boys are desperate for, 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 for leadership. You know, this, this boys are desperate for men. Uh, and there's and there's so few men that are willing to 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 pay that price or to or to take on that call. You know, there's 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 a there's a there's a boy in every man. We know that. <laughs> you know, you know, we recognize there's still the boys, yes. but there's a man in every boy. There's this the seed of a man in every boy, and that seed can only be spoken to and drawn out by the voice of a man. That's what that's what gives life to it. And so, these men in the outdoors with these boys, you're speaking life into that seed that's on the inside of him. That's going to develop him into a godly man. I was talking to a man, he's in his seventies. And he said, Mark, when I'm with a group of men, I feel like I'm like 25 years old. I know I'm the most, I know I'm the wisest, most experienced, oldest man in that group, but I feel like a kid because I was never welcomed into the company of men. I never had the experience of me saying, okay, now you're one of us. So in Trail of USA, we, we build in those steps that welcome a boy into the company of men. So he knows where it is that he stands. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's shocking how many men, when I share stories like that, will come to me and say, that's me too. I, anytime I'm with men, I feel like I, I, I don't fit here. You know, there's, I, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. really belong here. There's something that's lacking in me. I'm not as confident. I'm not as good looking. I'm not as good at sports. I'm not whatever. I don't fit. I don't feel, I'm not comfortable here. I feel like I'm putting something on just to be in this group because we haven't been rightfully welcomed in the company of men. And one of the secrets of Trail FUSA is that we're also a program that's aimed at men because the men in that community, they find each other. And we have this tremendous band of brothers, 17,000 volunteers across the country who are serving boys. And there's this great brotherhood. I say all the time, trailmen are the best men I know. And they find each other in that organization, focused on helping boys. They discover their purpose and they're strengthened because they belong. They're wearing the uniform of another man. They know that they fit there. And even though they may have never had that experience being called up in a company of men, they find their company there. And it's, it's, uh, it's life-changing for the men as well as the boys. And you've got over a thousand different churches involved across the country now. The growth your organization had is explosive. Yeah, it's, it's, it's encouraging to see. In a culture that would seem like the message that we're saying is is not is not welcome. There are families that identify with the say, I, I get this, I get what you're doing, and it's that sanity. <laughs> that's 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 the that's that's a place and a design that makes sense because we can still reach back and remember these principles. 
we're just a generation from losing that connection. The boys that are being raised today do not have that connection. They don't have that sense of what it means to be a, a godly man. And they have very few examples of it. So we're it. But I believe there's a remnant that's rising that God is dealing with a group of men. He's calling on the heart, pulling on the hearts of men to say, do something for this next generation. Bring what you have and you'll get what you need. And in, and in that process, you will also be blessed uh, because of the connections you're making in the, the, the men that you're meeting. Yes. Yeah, so whatever our limitations are, what we're thinking, Mark's thinking, gosh, I don't want to be around all these different guys that are true outdoorsmen because of my job title. And people are going to have these expectations of me uh, or guys, as you're listening, you may be thinking, well, I'm not really the outdoors guy. Like, I don't know that I can lead a little camping trip or be a part of it or whatever it is. Or you may be thinking something even more simple. Gosh, I bet my kids would like to go fishing. Mm. But I'm not a fisherman. Mm-hmm. One, there's a YouTube video that'll help you with that. And two, there's probably another guy around that'd be more than glad to to help you out. So I like going fishing with my guys that are like hardcore fishermen uh-huh. and then whatever the problem is or whatever the question is or whatever piece of tackle we need. He's got it in his tackle box and we're ready to go. So I like to have a guide around to, to help yeah. me because I'm not the greatest fisherman, but I sure have a whole lot of confidence when they're around. Yeah. 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 And there's something to that. And there's also some to saying, you know, with your son or whatever saying, Hey, I'm not really a good fisherman. Why? You know, cause you can sit down and watch a YouTube video with your son and kind of figure it out together. You know, my sons are now 24 and 21. They're always changing. (laughs) (laughs) seems like every year they get a different age. But, um, uh, you know, we we take on these things sometimes. And so right now, uh, my younger son and I are into into, uh, the Miami Dolphins. I was a Miami Dolphin fan my my whole life. But when I got saved, I stopped watching TV and got away from sports and all this stuff. But he's drawing me back into that. And that's kind of the thing we do together. And so... I lean on him because he's the expert in that area. And he goes out and he does research, loves doing that. He does all the Twitter stuff and knows everything. And, and so we've, we found a place to connect there where he's the expert and that's okay too. And so, so, so sometimes you have those opportunities with your, with your son. The key is connecting. You don't have to know everything. And once your son discovers that you're okay, not knowing everything that opens up a whole new type of relationship because now he kind of gets to be the expert and, Boys love being the expert. And uh, so if you can find something to do with your son and, and help make him the expert, give him access to what it is that he needs uh, to, to lead the way there, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful living. The key is connection. It doesn't matter who's in charge. The key, the key is connection. Somebody has to be in charge. But the, the key is, is finding those ways to connect, connect. Yeah, in the absence of leadership, somebody will step up and lead. Yeah, yeah. It's not always who you want. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly right. So leadership is huge. So I, <clears throat> I love that you focus on character, leadership, and adventure, Christ-centered. Um, what, if you have maybe a minute or two, what are some Christ-centered things, messages that you find repeating? That's a good question. Um, I think that this thing, I spoke about a little bit earlier about sacrifice. Um, and it was quite a sacrifice that was paid for us. You know, when when we when we think of, when we think of Jesus, you got you you got you got to start with the cross. You got to look at the cross and say what was done there, and that is such a quality that's missing from our culture today. It's all you know, all all about me, um, and so sacrifice is 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 is, is a tough thing to uh, to approach in our culture today. Um, also, just faith, just flat out faith. 
you know, in America, we live pretty much 99% faith-free. If you get you get a headache, you take an aspirin. If you get sick, you, you, you take this. If you, if you, if you go broke, you apply for this program. If you, you know, if your car breaks down, you, you go, you, you go do this, your insurance is going to cover this and everything's pretty much we live 99% faith-free. Um, I remember when the wall first came down the Soviet Union, my wife and I went to, to Russia and the, in the Ukraine and uh, the underground church, uh, we helped the leaders bring, bring the church from underground. And so we went there to train, train leaders. And my wife brought some children's cough medicine. And I remember her pulling it out in front of a group of pastor's wives and saying, saying I, have, I have some things to give you. And she pulled out that children's cough medicine. And these women began to weep. They had never seen that before. They never had that. It's something they knew existed, but they had never had it. And to think that what they had to do was pray and believe God because their child was sick. So the people of incredible faith have had the opportunity to work with people all over the world for, for five years to travel around the world doing, doing international uh, missions work and people in, in Ghana and in China and Japan and South America and Central America. Uh, you run into these folks who <clears throat> they can't reach for whatever they need right then. They have to believe God for it. And so that's, that's a sacrifice is hard to explain. Faith is hard to explain. Um, uh, but they're, but they're critical, uh, for the, for the life of believers. So, so we have to look for opportunities to believe along with their sons for something that, 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 that we understand God wants for them and then watch God come through on that over and over and over again. That's building that faith. We have to call our boys into things where they are sacrificing themselves for the good of somebody else and to uh, draw attention to that feeling, how it feels to do that and uh, uh, let them experience somebody sacrificing for them. Because how can you understand that the, the sacrifice that Jesus did for you, if you've never sacrificed yourself. So you say, that's, that's a big deal. What Jesus did. I don't know that. I don't even know what that means. I don't know. I've never sacrificed. So we have to expose boys, to these opportunities to experience these things, help them identify what it is that they're feeling saying that's sacrifice. That's what it feels like to sacrifice. And, and that's, that person sacrificed for you, that person in the grocery store, that person over here just sacrificed for you. They let you go first in line. They, they, they preferred you before, before themselves that sacrifice. So we have to teach us constantly point out those things to voices can't, okay, that sacrifice, that sacrifice. So when you talk about Jesus sacrifice, they get it because they, they understand they experience themselves. It's not just a left brain word. It's also a right brain emotion that they've experienced. We have to help them make those connections. That's great. I love that one. And you talked about how we're raising narcissists as a society. The sacrifice sure seems like the antidote to that. It does. Does. I was talking with uh, Adam Wainwright, the Cardinals baseball pitcher, a couple days ago, and he was with a group of people. And one of his things with his foundation is charity is he helps encourage other athletes to make a difference, mm-hmm. whether it's just donating financially, whether it's showing up to something or creating their own nonprofit. So they uh, put wells in all around the country and he had a number of different other athletes speak about the influence Adam had on their lives. And as he's up on the stage, he says, here's the thing, by me helping athletes do something and make a difference, I help them understand what uh, life's all about. Mm. 
life is all about sacrificing and helping others. Mm-hmm. If that wasn't what we do, they'll never find true joy and happiness. That's beautiful. And I was like, oh man, I love hearing this. Yeah. Adam's a super strong Christian. He was on Twitter and did a Bible in a year where he interacted with people and would share his thoughts on what he was reading that day in the Bible. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. So it's neat to see these guys that are brave, stand up, have courage Mm -hmm. and, you know, are open to assault from society. Yeah. For those convictions. Yeah. 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 It's crazy to think that, uh, that people are getting slaughtered all the time for it, whether it's with words or with actual, you know, weapons, but yeah. Yeah. No, you kind of have to give up the idea that you're going to be celebrated by everybody because you're just, because you're doing something good. You know, when when I look at what what we're doing from boys, how can can anybody oppose that? And boys are in trouble and we're standing up for boys. Nobody else is doing it because the Boy Scouts left that space, you know, now allow girls, girls in. And, um, one of the saddest things I heard was when they first did that, a troop master was being interviewed and they said, how do you like having girls in the program? He said, we love having girls. They're so much smarter and better behaved. Oh. And I thought, well, you know what? He's right. He's right. He's right. He's right. <laughs> but there's <laughs> another place that boys are going to go and say, why can't you behave like Susie? So it'll only be a matter of time before it's all, it's all girls. But um, I had a guy, super close friend of mine, and he ran a region for the Boy Scouts. Hmm. And I don't want to say his identity was wrapped in up in that. However, it was, you know, yeah. like you, like you're known for trail life. So he was known for Boy Scouts and he stepped away and it was a ripple effect of what just happened. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't, he didn't want to bash his former employer or anything, but privately he's like, I couldn't do it any longer. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. you know, like major league baseball, they sent a note out to all the teams and they said no pride uniforms this year. Mm-hmm. We ain't, we're not doing it. And Tampa Bay Rays came out and said, Hey, by the way, fans. So none of the other teams came out and spoke what mm-hmm. the note they got. Everybody just did it. But mm-hmm. Tampa Bay came out and says, Hey, by the way, our pride night isn't going to be and the, we're not going to force the players to wear mm-hmm. the pride uniform. Mm-hmm. And the issue was NHL had a deal and a player says, I'm not doing it. That is against my moral convictions. And they came back and said, we're your employer. Like you're going to do what you're told. Mm-hmm. He says, no, I'm not. And then that created a huge thing in a non-controversial sport <laughs> like yeah. nhl you don't hear them making waves about stuff and then mlb caught that and says ah we're not going to do that wow. like, that's a big deal where these guys stand up and say no this this isn't me it's yeah it is a big deal it's a big deal and we and we need we, we need to show boys how that's how that's done you stand for your own convictions like i said going back to my son's story you weren't brave that's a big deal and uh, that so, is a huge yeah. one. Absolutely. And I love how short and concise that message was. Yeah. No, me too. I mean, that, that, that wraps up. And uh, I got to tell you, I mean, that spoke so powerfully to me, you know, I mean, it's not, nothing. I, wow. That's a big deal to my son. Like, like I didn't know that, you know, but, but, but understanding how much energy and pride he had in the work that he had done there. So I'm walking away from you because you're not brave. Like, Jeez. <laughs> better pay attention here <laughs> yes yes absolutely yeah and then you want to uh expand on anything or, or hit on any concepts that maybe we haven't hit on and then talk a little bit about the podcast that you have and yeah resources you. that you've got with trail life yeah let me let me let me do all that because in that i can i can answer that question all in one um we're in the midst of a campaign called a campaign to rescue america's boys we really believe that boys are are in trouble 
twice as, you know, I gave all the statistics earlier. And uh, so we have a goal of having a trail life troop within uh, 30 miles of 90% of the boys in America. And it's the goal is we'll reach that by 2031. So we have 371 markets that right now a boy doesn't have a trail life troop within 30 minutes. I think I said miles, but within 30 minutes. And um, so that's our goal. It, it isn't a, it isn't a numbers goal. It's saying every boy should have the opportunity to be in a trail life USA troop. So that's a big deal to us right now. And the way when what we're talking about that is we have a proven process that turns boys into godly men. We actually guarantee our churches and the churches pay a charter fee to have the troop in the church. We're an outreach of the church. We're just not a group that meets in their basement. We are a part, we're a ministry of that church. And uh, so we actually guarantee, guarantee the church. If those boys are not being turned into godly men, if you don't see evidence of them becoming godly men, you get your money back. That means we're not providing you a program that delivers on its problems. Now, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. If you had a mom come to me and said, can you guarantee my son's going to be a godly man? It would have been like, ah, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you know your son? I don't know. But, uh, so, but the, uh, you know, we actually guarantee it. We feel so strong about the process. We've identified four things. We know that boys are they're, they're unguided in our, in our society. Um, they're ungrounded. You know, now, what is it? Uh, uh, 58% of Americans no longer believe that God and the Bible is a source of all of morality. That's the culture our boys are being raised in. So there's, there's no grounding for boys and boys like to know that there's something they can press against when, how do you even define good and bad if you don't have some sort of a foundation? So it's difficult for boys to, you know, stop behaving badly. Well, what's bad? Tell me what bad is. You know, well, you can't, if you don't have some sort of absolute truth that you drill down to. So, unguided, ungrounded, unappreciated, because we believe that um, in our culture today, that boys and girls are the same, that they're interchangeable. Uh, and that just isn't true. Biologically, socially, developmentally, psychologically, there's so many differences between boys and girls, like we're ignoring those things. And then finally, that boys are uninspired. And that's a piece I talked about, how we've taken risk and competition out um, of their lives, participation trophies, uh, those sorts of things have really had an effect on boys. They ask the question, why even try? You know, if I ran around on that soccer field and every, and sweated and we all got the same trophy. I guarantee tomorrow. Oh my gosh. My tomorrow, daughter went crazy about that. <laughs> tomorrow. I'm not going to run so much, you know, because why? So yeah, so that's tragic. So they're uninspired. We, so in trail of USA, um, we, we guide them with male mentors. We ground them because we're unapologetically Christian. We appreciate them because we understand that boys and girls are different. They need a program in it at them. And we inspire them through a robust awards program, not participation trophies. You get that badge, you earned it. And uh, so, so we're battling these things. We're inviting people to come along with us and help us get uh, a troop available for every boy in the country. Yeah, my daughter's question was, Dad, we showed up and we won. <laughs> They got the same thing we got. So this is a show up to the event thing, oh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that one is. She was, oh, man. Is it okay if we throw this away? <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah, it is. She goes, should we throw it away at our home? Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe that'd be good. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, we threw, we've thrown a few participation trophies away. That's so sad because they sound like they're brutal competitors and they just want to be able to, to compete. And, uh, but 
gosh, we got to keep from hurting somebody else's feelings. And it's just, yes, yes. It is such a strange way to navigate the world of politically correct and not hurting everybody's feelings. And yeah. at the same time, it's like, all right, where do we hurt somebody's feeling? Like, where do we draw the line and, and, yeah. you know, be open to a dialogue about, you know? Yeah. But we're feeling the effects. And so you got to say, okay, how did this happen? You know, how do we have so many men who are failing to launch? Well, you just take it back a step and then another step and another step. And it all comes back to what we're doing here. We're not appreciating risk competition. And uh, so this is the results that this is what happens. And we're so we're experiencing now. We have a generation of young men because we created them through these kind of odd uh, anti-intuitive, <laughs> counterintuitive rules. And uh, so now we're paying a price for it with, 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 with men who just aren't engaged. And uh, so very little time, I believe, to turn it around because, uh, because we do have a generation that can still reach back. Like I said, we can metabolize these changes and be like, okay, but we know what it's supposed to be like. They're not being raised in a place where they know what it's supposed to be like. And they're hearing that at school. They're hearing that on the news. You're hearing that from social media, whatever. They're not hearing there is such a thing as biblical masculinity that is actually a good thing that society needs, that families need, that your wife will need. And um, they're, they're, not, they're not hearing that message. There's very few of us um, uh, speaking it. So I'm thankful for the, for the men and women across the country who are engaged in, in trail life and, and other organizations like ours that are, that, are, that are reminding us of those truths. Maybe we can have you back sometime and you can talk about biblical masculinity and your and our wives' responses to it. That one sounds like a great topic. That is that is that is a good one. Awesome, awesome. Well, down the road, maybe we can revisit that one and do a whole podcast just on that with your your background training and then also what you've seen. Uh it's it's been a wonder in uh, in my family. My wife has really responded, and when I see examples of it in other places or guys that turned it around themselves, I'm like <laughs> they're in such a better place now than where they were. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So podcast and downloads and oh, yeah. real life and yeah, you know, where, where can people find you and get engaged? And then I'll throw my quick plug in. If you yeah. go and look and you see that there's not somebody within thirty minutes. Yeah, you can raise your hand. Busy. <laughs> you busy. can get one started. Thanks, thanks for bringing me back to your to your question. <laughs> so, uh, if, if you go to our website and now you can download a free copy of "Let Boys Be Boys" and "Raising Godly Boys," and, and we also have the podcast. We're and we're on about a thousand radio stations across the country with a one minute um, daily Monday through Friday, one minute on "Raising Godly Boys." And so we converted that to also a podcast. So if you if you can't listen on the radio, you can get the podcast every day. It's just one minute, dads. Um, just an encouraging word on, on how to raise godly boys. And it's called Raising Godly Boys. It's the, it's the podcast. But I encourage uh, your listeners to go to uh, trailfusa.com and to download Raising Godly Boys. The centerfold of Raising Godly Boys is that proven process that I talked about, the, the um, unguided, ungrounded, un, unappreciated, and uninspired. And it kind of breaks down in, in a graphic form those four things. And, and that'll, that's, uh, yeah, there you got to write that up. Yeah, yep. that'll 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 work anywhere. Oops, um, we're, there you go. <laughs> that'll work anywhere. Just real, real quick, how you can explain these things. Um, I want to share with your pastor why you know thirty only thirty per six thirty six percent of parents believe that churches are meeting the needs of their boys, and uh, that's a bar a barnacle 
So churches need to be doing something. So take that centerfold to your pastor and sit down and say, this is the problem with boys. And we're wondering what to do with them. We need to give them a program that answers these questions, whether it's trail life or something else. We need to do something for boys because because uh, nobody else is nobody else is doing it. So Greenville is an awesome place because you're there, and then the F3 organization also started out of Greenville as well. So if you're looking for male community leadership and growing that, F3 is a great place for it. You'll get physically fit doing it also. And if you look around and you don't see something within 30 minutes of you or 15 minutes of you, raise your hand and reach out to them and they'll get you started. And same thing with trail life. If you're looking for something for your boys, man, this is it. This is it. And not only for your boys, for you. Yeah. This this organization will truly help you grow as a godly man as well and grow connected to your kids. Awesome. Well, it's so great having you, Mark. Like, thank you for sharing your time, sharing your wisdom, your experience, and thank you for you know, frankly, growing trail life. Like that's a big, big deal and something we desperately need here in America. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me talk so much. You push you, you asked some great questions or open some great subjects. And I'm just you, I just I just loved the way that uh the, the the way you allowed me to have all that space to say to say that stuff. So thanks. You do a good job with this. Yeah, I appreciate that a bunch. And I look forward to connecting with you in person whenever I can and look forward to connecting with you virtually whenever I can as well, man. You're just a a fun guy to be around, a joy to be around. And also, you know, your heart is just in the right place. And, you know, you, you do, you you care about others and it's inspiring to to hang out with you. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, um, I almost missed out. I forgot to ask. Do you have a challenge? Something you can throw out to guys? Something guys can do week to week? Oh, As you wow. mentioned, we like yeah, challenges and we like uh, competition and risk. Okay. Uh, let me do this one. Ah, oh, man. I wish I would. I'd really like to give that some thought, but let me do this one. <clears throat> connect with your son. Find something to connect with your son over. And in uh, and, and extra points, um, you get six points extra. Um, if, if, if it helps him to identify an emotion, uh, and, and let, let him, let him experience sitting in that thing, uh, you know, motion doesn't kill us, um, contrary to our, our, our innate beliefs. Um, but, uh, help your son walk through an emotion, sit in it and invite Jesus to join him in it. I love that. What a great challenge. And you get six, six bonus points. Six points. points. Yeah. Six bonus points. If you accomplish those three objectives. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so kids love points and bonuses and gold stars and stickers and you know awards or whatever. So thanks for having the added humor to that and ad lib in the six points. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll just have to see you for the for the points. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. I'll I'll sign off on the points and we'll we'll disperse them. <laughs> Oh, awesome, Mark. Thank you so much. And guys, look forward to you uh, tuning in again next week and share share this episode with all your guy friends that you know that have sons. Like this organization is fantastic. It was great that I got to know who Mark is and learn about his organization. And, uh, you know, it went from 2013 with 300 guys talking about a problem to over a thousand churches being involved in 2023. So, this organization will help boys understand what it is to be a godly man and uh, do go to the site, download the the download, the Raising Godly Boys. I call it a booklet. Uh, it's not very long, but it's got some great information in it, and I certainly enjoyed reading it. Thank you.
You bet. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it with you guys. Part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, thanks for blessing all of us and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.